Pastor Derek. Great privilege for us to be here. Get away from Honduras for a few days and come up and be with family. And God does great things. And, uh, this morning we want to start off by reading a few verses from the book of John. Great book, probably the first book that I read in, in the Bible when I became a Christian. So, happens to be my name, but I didn't write it. There a long time before I came along. And uh, let's start chapter 15 and read 17 verses. We can stand up while you do that, give you a chance to stretch your legs a little bit. And uh, we'll read alternately. I'll read the first, you read the second. Get to verse 17, chapter 15 of John. John, one of the apostles wrote the gospel. How many apostles wrote gospels that we find in our Bible? How many would you say? Five? Four? Two? Three? Four. Well, that's almost right, but two is a correct number. And so some were apostles and some were disciples. Okay. Let's start. And it says here, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, 
Let's all read the list. These things I command you that ye love one another. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you that you do love us, that you have called us, and that you uh, you called us, and you chose us. We didn't choose you, you chose us. And so, and command that we should go forth and bring forth fruit, help us to do it. And you've given us the command, you've chosen us, and here we are. Help us, Lord, to do that thing that you want us to do, to, to bring glory to your name. Without doing what you want us to do, we can't bring glory to your name. So help us to do the things that you're asking us to do in this chapter. We thank you and bless you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. We you know you read this chapter and it could be a challenge to you, you know. And some people say, well, is he really writing that to me? And, uh, well, I don't feel worthy. Then. You should say, uh, I love you. And uh, you're my friend. When you read that, do you take it? Well, he wants to be my friend. And that's great, you know. How do we respond to the Word of God? When we read it, God's speaking. And so, you know, it's a good thing. Remember when I got saved, the pastor said, well, read the Bible every day. And so I started reading in the Gospel of John. And he also said, and then when a verse sort of stands out to you, write it down. And uh, put it on a little paper, stick it in your pocket, and memorize it started doing that. Boy, it's surprising over the years how many verses you can learn. Now, I've sort of forgetting a few, but that's sort of sad. It's, uh, you know, God speaks to us through his word. And it's good to think, what do I say to God? Okay, we read the word, and, oh yeah, I want to do that. And uh, I was finding this week, God was sort of speaking to me about Go talk to this neighbor. They just moved into the house, you know, right next door to where I was staying, staying with uh, Melody, our daughter, over in Indiana. We're just going to be there for two weeks. And uh, the Lord is saying, go, go talk to him about uh, it's being a disciple. And we had just begun a course on discipleship when I left Honduras to come up here. But I got all excited about it. And, uh, you know, seeing people come. Because in a discipleship course, okay, start off and start with a few and then then talk about it a little more with a few more different ones and then a few more different ones a little bit. And I could say, wow, this is really going to grow. If I do it just like it says, ah, wow. And so... We started, and it just was happening just that way. started off with some of the men in the church, and then some of the women wanted to get in on it, and then uh, got some neighbors interested, and they wanted to get in on it. So we started off in various places. I guess I'll have to restart when I get back down there. But it's uh, discipling is a great thing. 
And, you know, I was reading, as we were reading this here, it had something about disciples. You're my disciples indeed, if, if what? That was in one of those verses. If you continue in my word, no? Then are you my disciples indeed, if you continue in my word. Well, it says, Herein is my Father glorified, if ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. If we're fruit bearers, okay, so we want to bear fruit. And he said, without me you can do nothing. And uh, But there's some, one of those verses that says, if you, he says, okay, continue ye in my love. In verse 11, he says, These things have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. And so he goes on and on. Great things that he's promised here. This is my commandment that you love one another. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Have you got a friend you'd lay down your life for? Wow. That's something to think about. How about for an enemy? Would you do it for an enemy? Of course not. But Jesus did. And so, maybe we should reconsider. Maybe lay it down for an enemy. You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And so, not chosen me, but I have chosen you. That you should go and bring forth fruit. Your fruit should remain. Whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Wow. Lots of great things in those verses. There was one verse we didn't find the second time. I wanted to read it. And uh, so, maybe it's because we didn't read it. <laughs> That's the reason. It was in chapter 8, verse 31, 32. It says there, Then said Jesus to those which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. If we continue in the word. You know, lots of times we get saved, and people get saved, and then they don't continue to read the word of God. They, well, I'm saved. That's good enough. I get to heaven. And, uh, but Jesus puts a premium on it. Hey, if you continue in my word. Several blessings going to come from that. He says in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You can have prayer answered. We'll talk about that a little later. But anyway. You ever thought about being a disciple? Christ calls us to be disciples. And uh, you might ask, well, why be a disciple? And uh, what's in it for me? Or what's in it for you? Well, for you to become like Jesus, then you have to follow him. What is it? in Matthew four nineteen? Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw a couple of fellows out there casting a net in the water, and he says, "Follow me." 
And, and they did. And he gave them a little promise. Follow me and I will. Uh, what? Make you fishers of men. Okay. They were fishers already, fishing for fish. But if they followed Jesus, they could become fishers of men. They followed him. Who were these guys? And uh, why did they follow? And uh, Jesus walked on a little further. There were some guys mending their nets. They were in, in a boat and mending their nets. And he said to them, hey, follow me. And they did. Why? And uh, so, but that's interesting. Have you ever considered why they left all to follow Jesus? And, uh, well, let's look at it. Turn over into Matthew chapter 4. Let's see it a little more carefully. If I can get to Matthew. Yeah, here it is. And it says, He saith unto them, well, at verse 18, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they are fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. They straightway left their nets and followed him. Well, you know, we know from other parts of the scripture that Peter was married because he had a mother-in-law, and she was sick on occasion. Jesus came in and healed her. But I think all these disciples were married. And, you know, just to leave all. And but that was their work. They were fishers, and that's how they made their living. And then just to leave all, how were they going to eat? How was the wife going to eat? And the rest of the family, if there was more family. Well, the Bible doesn't talk about more family, but they could have very well been. And so, but they did that. They left the nets. Going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And would you leave just on the first glance here and being called? Well, maybe they had a little more experience with Jesus and knew a little more about him. And so, let's look in John. You know, isn't it great that we have four accounts of how things happen so we can get a little more information and another source, no? And so, that's what pastors do. They look in this source and this source and this source and they come. In a lot of cases, they can tell you a lot more than you knew. And not always. I'll be one of those. I know, I already knew all that that he's saying. And so, okay. But here, let's look at it. And what chapter? Chapter 1. And uh, I'm starting back in verse 28. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptized. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is preferred before me. For he was before me. I knew him not. But that he that, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore 
am I come baptizing with water? So he came that John, that Jesus would be made manifest to others. Okay. And John bear record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. He's talking about it when he was baptized, when Jesus was baptized. And so saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Wow. The Son of God. Looks like a man. And he's the Son of God. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, be an interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. Wow. What a statement. The Israelites had been waiting on the Messiah ever since. Ever since when? Who knows? The Garden of Eden? Wow. They had been waiting, looking for him. If you had lived then, would you have recognized him for who he was? Wow. So many didn't. But look here what he says. And so, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. That's the promised one, the Messiah. And and he brought him to Jesus. When Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. And saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was a Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. Oh, listen. This Jesus, this Messiah, was written up by Moses and the prophets. What prophets? We're going to look. Maybe you already know, can tell me a bunch of them that wrote about Jesus. But that's interesting, you know. Okay. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. How did Nathaniel know all this? No, how did Philip know that, that Moses and the prophets? Okay. Nathaniel said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Oh, come on, Philip. 
Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael come unto him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. That word guile, that sort of tricks us. It means no deception, you know. And do you know a Christian in whom there's no deception? You know, we all tend to pretend to be better than we really are, you know. Hey, we're sinners. Done a lot of bad stuff. And so, but here was one that Jesus, the Son of God, said there's no guile in him. No deception, imagine. And uh, Nathaniel's surprised by this. He said, well, from where do you know me? Huh? Jesus answered and said unto him, Behold, that before that Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw thee. What was Philip doing under that fig tree that Jesus took note? Maybe he was praying. No. Nathaniel answered and, and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. And so, Jesus saw him under the fig tree. He's, he's the one that heard my prayers. Jesus answered, said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Behold, thou shalt see greater things than these. Saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Here, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God Ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Is there a passage in the Old Testament you could connect with this one? Where would you look? And so, maybe Genesis 28? Let's try that one. And uh, that could be one of those places referring to where it's talking about Jesus in the Old Testament. Jacob's gone on a trip. He's waked out of his uh, and, uh, out of his sleep by a dream. And he dreamed in verse 12, Behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and at the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac, whereon thou, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. So God meets Jacob right there. And there's the ladder set up, angels ascending, descending. And the Son of Man is in that picture too. And here we see him, Tom and he's talking about something similar. He says, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open. The angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Hey, that's a passage. Talked about he that was to come. It had something to do with it. And, uh, well, why did Peter and Andrew follow Jesus and Hey, they were, number one, they were disciples of, what's the guy's name that was baptizing? John. John the Baptist. Was the Baptist his last name? John Baptist? No, no. Because he was a baptizer. 
And so, so there he was. And he was discipling them. So they knew some of the things of the Old Testament here. And uh, the Messiah's come and he's close. I'm here to announce him. And so they were looking. Are you looking for his coming? And is it close? And so they were looking. And, uh, you know, if you were a Jewish lad, you would have grown up going to synagogue. Like kids here go to school. And then they would study Hebrew and uh, learn the Hebrew scriptures. Well, you say, well, we study the Bible too. It's a little bit easier in our day. Back in the, maybe in the 1400s, there was a man that put chapters and verses to the scriptures. Before that, you just read the book, you know, without chapters or verses. And sometimes they did a good, he did a good job on it. Sometimes he divided things where it shouldn't have been divided. But anyway, it helps us to have things organized to see where is the passage we're looking for, you know. And so they could find things. You think of when Jesus went in the temple and read, and then he read a passage that spoke of him. And he went right to it. And uh, he could find it. And uh, yeah, we can find things too because we got all these chapters and verses and we can sort of remember where they are. And that makes it, it makes it easy for us, you know. They had to about have it all in order all the way in their minds so they could find it pretty quick wow so we got a lot of helps today hey you got a computer you got your bible on your computer a lot of helps there how easy it is but how many don't bother to read or study the scriptures well Peter and John they've been through synagogue and learned to read Hebrew and uh, they studied about the different things it said about the Messiah that was coming. Is there anything in Exodus that talks about his coming? Well, you know there's got to be because over in Second Corinthians 5, what does it say uh, over there about the Paschal Lamb? Uh, let me see if I can find that. In Second Corinthians, where he's saying, can't even find Second Corinthians, but it's in here. And, uh, well, it's not in Second Corinthians. I bet it's First. Let's try First Corinthians. Purge out the old leaven that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Christ is our Passover, sacrificed for us, and the Passover chapter in the Old Testament is? That's a toughie. Let's try chapter 12. What book? Exodus, okay. And uh, well, here it says, talking about the animal, the Passover animal, verse 5. 
be without blemish, a male the first year. So all these things, this is Christ without blemish. And uh, keep it up to the 14th day of the same month. Whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house wherein they shall eat it. Okay, so on the two side posts and on the over the door post there. And if you draw a little line between those, hey, it makes a cross. That's a picture. Okay, and, and there we read, Christ is our Passover lamb, you know. And so the children of Israel were spared for putting the, the, the blood on the doorpost, you know, on the two sides, on the top. And so that was a picture. And so they lived because they put the blood of the, of the Paschal lamb all over the door. And we live in Christ because we're covered with the blood. Huh? Jesus shed his blood for me, for my sins, for you, for your sins. And so we're covered with the blood and have forgiveness. And those that didn't bother to put the, the sign on the door, the, the, the blood on the door, the, the firstborn was, was killed that night. The death angel passed through. And so they were eliminated. So It's interesting. Lots of things in this chapter I point to the Christ because... They were to kill it on the on the evening of the 14th, before sunset. Because the 15th would start in the evening. You know, realize, a lot of people don't realize when the day starts. When does the day start? In the evening, that's right. And so, 6 o'clock come, okay, it's the 15th. They had to have it killed by then. And uh, they were cooking it up. And so, and Jesus was killed on that very day, the the 14th. And, uh, you know, three days and three nights in the tomb. And and Jonah even speaks of it. You know, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, even so the Son of Man be three days, three nights. That's said for emphasis, because in the Jewish way of thinking, you don't say three days and three nights. You say three nights and three days. For us, we say three days and three nights. If we said three nights and three days, that would be for emphasis. But they think different. They know the day starts in, in the evening. And so to say it three days and three nights, oh, then that's... Uh, Put an extra emphasis on it. So that's interesting. But I see Christ died to take away our sin. And Jonah talks about it. Wow. He was assigned to the Ninevites and assigned in our day too. And not all people believe. Muslim tried to convince me that, hey, he wasn't really dead. But he was. Because Jonah wasn't really dead in the fish. He was alive. But okay, he served as a sign, but well, the signs have their their point of truth, and also you can't use them for every little detail. But, 
Okay, so the first time it mentioned in the scriptures where it talks about the redeemers will be sent is there in three fifteen of Genesis where it says put enmity between thee and the woman, between the serpent and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so Satan would get the death blow when Christ was crucified there on the cross. He thought he had won, but actually Christ won there because he paid the price to liberate all these sinners yeah, that would put their faith in God. Not everybody does. It's a sad thing, but we should do our part so that everybody has a chance to hear the gospel and put their faith in the Savior. And so this message about the Redeemer that's to become was proclaimed there in the book of Moses. You see it in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Is there something in Leviticus about? Well, if we go to Leviticus, maybe 17. There's a verse about the blood there, that the life is in the blood. Seventeen eleven says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. So there again is testimony to our Savior. He gave his blood for us. And it's given to us upon the altar. Christ died for us. Genesis 22. Abraham was to offer on the altar his son. And uh, the son. And that's what happened to God. He offered his son. When uh, the son asked him, well, Dad, look, we got the fire and the wood, but where's the sacrifice? What did Abraham say? God will provide. And so there he did in his son. But there was also a ram caught in the thicket up there <coughs> that took the place, and the son wasn't killed out there. He had the knife, he was ready, but don't do any harm to your son. And so, but there too was a picture of him that was to come to, to die. <coughs> Is there anything in the Psalms about it? Ha, a whole lot. And so, maybe in Psalm 118. Oh, that's not the Psalm I was thinking about, you might say, but that's one of the Psalms. And Psalm 118. Uh, Hallel, great Hallel. Okay, the stone which the builders refused has become the head of the corner, verse 22. Okay, and in the New Testament, a 
Peter's giving testimony, you know. This, the rock, the stone that the builders refused. It's become the head of the corner. They crucified the leaders of the church there or the, of the temple. <coughs> they crucified him. But he says, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is what Jesus was saying on the day he was crucified. Hey, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad. He came to die, and he gave his life. And so, this little passage, 22, 23, 24, that was... Yeah, said by Jesus on that day. And so on your day when you give your life for Christ, if you if you do, and you should say this verse too, huh? And so great verse, great verses. This is the day which the Lord we've sung that song many a time. And with a little addition that the Seelies have added about this is the week, this is the month, and all the year, and all that. But this is the day. And that was the big day when Jesus gave his life. Well, wasn't always understood. Not at first by the disciples. They thought, wow, this is a disaster. But what looked like a disaster was a great blessing. And uh, people that weren't what they needed to be. How about the disciples? Okay, they had followed Jesus, but were they really great disciples before the crucifixion? They were like the rest of us, no? <laughs> Lots of failures, huh? And so, but they were changed after that. Christ gave them another chance. We have a God of the second chance. Wow. And so that's a blessing. And uh, so Jesus there called Peter, do you love me? (gasps) Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Three times he asked him. He was grieved. He had to be asked three times. But Jesus was remembering what he had done. And so, and it talks about how he's going to suffer too. <clears throat> Isn't the Bible great? Great book. And the disciples, they followed Jesus because, well, once they were disciples already to, to John. There were others that had disciples. Not only John had disciples. Who else had disciples? Pharisees. And they were comparing themselves to Jesus' disciples. Hey, we fast. The Pharisees, their disciples fast. But your disciples don't fast. They're sort of, I'm thinking of the word floho, lazy. No, but Jesus said, well, how can they fast when the bridegroom's with them? When he's taken away, they'll fast. Do we fast? 
sometimes. And so it's important, you know, it's part of what we can do to go for God. And so God's calling. Well, we're supposed to be talking about discipleship. Oh, I forgot. Well, you know, becoming a Christian is by putting your faith in Christ. Being a disciple is more demanding. Jesus said there was a crowd of people there. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him, what? Deny himself and take up his cross. How often? Daily. And follow me. Wow. Deny himself. What would I deny myself? Well, the Lord can help you with that. And uh, to know what you should deny yourself of. Certainly all the things we know are wrong. That should be out of the question, huh? And, uh, but, uh, and Jesus can help you with that. What he wants you to deny yourself. Take up the cross. What is the cross anyway? Do we make ourselves a great big cross and put it on our shoulder like the Catholics do and march through the streets of Latin America? It's a symbol of what Christ was crucified on, you know? And so it stands for death to self. Take up your cross and follow me. Die to your self-desire. In fact, some of the verses that talk about discipleship say, hey, we need to uh, put Christ first. Uh, Let's look at some. I don't know when the first hour finishes. Is it now? We're going to have to save a little bit for the second hour. Okay, so I'll save that little bit. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus came. He made disciples and called them and they followed him. And they were eager to do so. And We pray, Lord, that you'd give us an eagerness to be disciples of Christ. Christians, sure. But disciples, it costs something. Help us to do that too. We thank you and bless you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.